Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Join the conversation. Call 1-300-01-1170 or text 0457-736-736. Welcome to the show and go with Jimmy Galvin and Drew Mitchell on SEN. Hello and welcome to the show and go on SEN. I'm here with Drew Rooster Mitchell and myself here, Jimmy Galvin. Rugby tragic and feeling like it's been a bit of a tragedy this morning, Drew. Yeah, look, it's uh, not the brightest of Sundays after last night's performance from the Wallabies, but... uh we push on to a decider next week. I think they've done it on purpose. Sell a, sell a few tickets out to the SCG next weekend. What do you think? Are you suggesting they threw that game? I'm not suggesting that at all. Well, Drew. that's sort I'm of the, how, I, how it sounded. I'm, I, you I, are I, tragic. I, I am tragic. You I'm are. tragic. I, Can any, you apologise for that? Because that's, that's a damning comment. I, I never apologise. I never... <gasps> but yeah, no, no, I won't apologise for that. I'm here <laughs> for the entertainment of the game. So you but did it, say that you're, the, the Wallabies that you love threw the game. No, no, I apologise. Apologize. <laughs> uh, didn't take much. <laughs> a huge show uh, we have on this morning, Drewy. Uh, after a big, big night in rugby, I mean, how good is the world of rugby at the moment when the internationals hit the stage? We could talk all day, but we've only got an hour. And on the show today, we got Cam- uh, Cameron Shepherd is uh, yeah. going to join us and, and former chat. Former teammate and former Wallaby. That's right. You spent a bit of time at the force with him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Shawnee Maloney, uh, one of your Channel 9 and Stan commentary partners there. He's uh, been calling the game as well up in Brisbane. Drew, you were up in Brisbane last night, weren't I you? I was. I was up there doing the coverage, uh, the pregame, halftime, full-time panel work. And, uh, mate, it was a fantastic atmosphere. It looked I'll like I'll tell it. you what, like the... They, uh, they came out in numbers, uh, I think it was the biggest crowd since 2013, the British and Irish Lions game. And, um, mate, what a spectacular pregame entertainment it was with uh, Mitch Tambo and his um, rendition of the voice yeah. in, in I language. That. I love that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, mate. Like, it was really cool. And, um, yeah, it really sort of got the, the crowd going. And then, uh, you know, and then, it was, look, it's... It was a tough first half for the Wallabies, I must admit, but yeah. um, oh, and for the supporters as well. Yeah. Um, but came back in the second half. And uh, look, there seemed like a pretty strong English contingent in the crowd. It always gets under my skin a little bit, Drew, when you hear Swing Low Sweet Chariot in, uh, in Suncorp Stadium being belted out. But it, it did seem like a fantastic atmosphere last night and also a fantastic celebration of NAIDOC Week and mm. uh, our First Nations people. Um, beautiful jerseys. And, and you came on to the commentary last night. Uh, making a making a really strong point that we should we should be featuring uh, a lot more of that, even particularly on the the uh, Wallabies jersey from week to week. Yeah, it's something I spoke um, you know as far back as when Raylene Cast was in the top job. Spoke to her about having our our First Nations people and their culture represented in a jersey every week, and um, I, I like how one game every year it's um, enhanced through the the, the green on, on the on the jersey. Um, but I, I feel like that same artwork can still feature on the jersey in the detail in the same colour as the gold, but so up close. You can see it and feel it in the detail. It's part of the fabric of the jersey because they are a fa- part of the fabric, a, an integral part of the fabric of our country as well. So I think, you know, we should be, again, um, the leaders in, in Australian sport to go ahead and, and feature them uh, in, in our jersey week in, week out. Absolutely. And and we also saw the uh, the team 
sing the national anthem in uh, Indigenous Uganda, yeah, which was pretty cool. And yeah. and the boys all belted it out, didn't they? Yeah, well, they'd been doing some uh, some practicing, some rehearsals throughout the week in camp, and uh, they did it a couple of years ago uh, in the Gadigal tongue. Yep. And this is the Gumbe, which is there's not a single word that's the same. And there's apparently Dave Rennie was t- saying through the week that it's almost double the amount of words that they're having to learn as well. So they uh, <laughs> obviously had to put a bit of time and energy into learning that, but I thought it was a really special moment yeah, when nice uh, every one of them was out there belting it. Absolutely. Well, let's turn our eye to the game last night, Drew. Uh, look, let's face facts straight off the bat. We got blown off the park pretty physically last night by England from from the word go. A, a very strong claw back. Um, what were your biggest talking points of the game last night? Well, I think the... The mental application right out from the start. I think you, after the first game, there was always going to be a response from England. They were hurt. They were wounded. And Eddie Jones would have absolutely got into them throughout the week. Um, they're, you know, they're like anyone playing at this level. You're going to be a proud bunch. So after the performance they had in the first game, they would have wanted to turn around. And, and also knowing that it's do or die. Um, you know, second game, they had to win that last night to stay alive in the series. So his, his job was on the line as well, Eddie's for sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, so he would have got them absolutely primed and ready to go right from the right from the start. Whereas the worrying thing for you know for Wallaby teams now and also years gone by, and I include myself in in those teams as well because we just don't particularly perform after a really big performance. Yeah, it's almost like I don't know whether we just listen to the the praise that we're getting and, uh, you know, and, and the fact that we go in as favourites as opposed to underdogs, it just doesn't sit well with our teams. And and we go out there and it's almost like we think it's or expect it to happen because they were so dominant in game one and then right, rather than going out there and making it happen. And, um, you know, when you give England a 19-0 lead and then, yeah. s- then start to switch on and go, well, hang on a minute, this is what we need to do. We need to play at the right end of the field. We need to muscle up in, 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 the, in the exchanges in tight and uh, create opportunities out wide. Speaking of muscling up, Ellis Genge last night, mm. what a machine. And I was speaking to you before the show, before we came on air. Why on earth were we revving that guy up during the week? And, and uh, you know, Tani Tupo was coming out, who's been off for quite some time. Yeah. Um, very mouthy towards a guy that's just won the English Premiership and been in incredible form and has a notorious reputation for being physical yeah. first run of the game bounces Hooper off like he's a bouncing ball yeah. uh, and and for the rest of the game just it, why why are we why are we doing that why are we well, trying to play mind games with someone like that look look I don't mind so much players engaging in some like you know <coughs> excuse me calling out people and and but you've got to you obviously got to front up in that area right and it's not so much that Teniella didn't he you know like you said he hasn't played in a long time uh scrum they were getting dominated early yeah it, Teniella and, and the front row and the, and the rest of the, the forwards made some adjustments and, and scrummaged better in the second half of that first half. But early on, they were getting absolutely smoked in the in the scrum. Teniella was then lipping up to the referee, got March 10. Those yeah. types of things as well. When we couldn't get out of our own 22, we're trying to run it too much in our own 22 and our own half. And then those types of disciplinary issues and, you know, just sort of poor judgments around the breakdown in that part of the field, we just can't get away with. But generally speaking, I don't mind you know, like maybe firing someone up or, you know, a little bit of uh, talk in the in the lead up, but you've obviously got to go out there and put it up. And, and you know, look, it's um, Ellis Genge took the points on this one. He sure did. Was, mm. there any, was there anyone in your career you really liked to target for, for some chat pre-game? 
Not pre-game. I wasn't a pre-game Mid- chatter. But you were a mid-game chatter, were you? I was a bit of a mid-game chatter, yeah. Any, anyone uh, anyone you like to lip off at during the game that you like to target? I really like lipping up to Johnny Sexton over in France. <laughs> yeah, yeah? He and I just didn't get along very well. What about now? Um, like who I like to live up no, to. No, I know you, you live up to me every <laughs> yeah. bloody weekend, but uh, no, it, it, on the, how, how's your relationship with Johnny now? Um, I, well, I'm, I don't see him anymore, so <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, he, he, he they had a, uh, a a pretty solid win over in New Zealand over over the weekend as well. Did he play the, the full eighty? <laughs> why, why do you ask? I just don't think he normally does. <laughs> When when the game's in the balance, Johnny gets injured. Is that right? Okay, noted. I'm just putting that down in my notes. <laughs> Back to the Wallabies game, though. And uh, look, a huge injury toll last night, Drew. That's yeah. uh, that's a pretty scary mountain for the Wallabies' depth to climb. Mm. Uh, we're looking at Scott Seo. That looks like a nerve injury in his shoulder or his neck. Yeah, it'll be. They think it might stem from sort of the neck area. Like it would definitely be nerve because apparently, from all reports, Dave Rennie said in the aftermatch that he couldn't feel his left arm. So. <sighs> I don't know if that was still the case after the game or if it's still the case now. I'm not too sure, but certainly in the moment, um, yeah, it was pretty worrying for, uh, for Scott Co. Isaiah Parisi uh, looks that, like an ACL. That's an ACL. That, yeah. that looked pretty awful when you when you throw the ball just anywhere away from you. It, it, it and the you way know he, he, he's he's in trouble there. Yeah, you know something's up. So look, that's disappointing and. He's just come back from an injury um, yep. uh, from his knee as well. So it's now, that'll be his Tars year next year as well, won't it? Um, most of it. No, yeah, no, he'd be able to get back for it, but it's just about you know whether he's got the confidence and the strength in it, really. Yeah, Caden yeah. Neville, another one in the locks. I mean, our, our locks are looking pretty depleted at the moment. Uh, yeah, again, that was from a tackle, uh, a clean out from the side, and for more reports, again, it's his uh, MCL. Yeah. So with Darcy Swain injured, uh, sorry, suspended. Jed Holloway injured. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty light on. In Who the, comes in? Well, I don't know. Mate. I'd say Nick Frost would have to start. Yeah. Um, might even consider maybe maybe starting Rob Liotta, but I don't know if that's necessarily the way we should go. Um, but then, you know, outside of that, there's probably what Ryan Smith, Angus Blythe. Maybe it's time to start looking at, you know, getting an Arnold or a Skelton back for the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those decisions, I'd say, will be... Conversations today for Dave Rennie. Uh, we also saw Jordan Pattaya knocked out in uh, one of the opening minutes there, getting mm. his head in the wrong spot. So that would yeah, probably, that was pretty yeah. um, pretty tough to watch as well. He, he was not able to get his legs under himself even when he was yeah, he getting assisted well. to his feet. So um, that looks a, a pretty significant uh, concussion. So he won't be playing. And um, I'd be surprised if Maro Atoje is uh, is playing next week as yeah, well. He yeah. he went down like a bit of a rag doll. <laughs> Not yeah. saying I enjoyed it. I never seen like yeah. seeing people get injured. No, Actually, met him at the airport last week, and it seemed like a nice guy. Oh, you remember that, do you? <laughs> I do. Um, I yeah, do. look, it's, it's, it's tough, right? And you know, and already a number of ish, um, injuries last week with Tom Banks, Kellaway, yeah. Icky Tao. You know, we're really testing the the depth of the Wallaby squad, and it's going to make it for a, uh, a a difficult task this coming week at the SCG for the yeah. Wallabies. But uh, you know, there's plenty to play for. What were the positive takeouts for you from the Wallabies last night? Look, I thought they fought their way back into the game well. Um, I just it, it just took a little bit too long for them to realise that they need to play in the right areas. Tom Wright at fullback had really good moments. You yep. know, like looked really sharp. That that double effort where he made the break, put the kick through, putting him into touch, that was fantastic. I just thought sometimes the backfield coverage, you know, if he was making the kick and chasing, the backfield coverage thereafter wasn't particularly strong. And that's probably just with people shifting around and, and players playing out of position and, and, and the like. But... Um, Thought we probably just 
tried to run it a little bit too much. First, yeah. you know, trying to step to the first player too often and then sh- having to shift the ball to someone under pressure and not getting a good kick away. But um, once they once they realised playing in the right area is what, what they needed, then uh, we look pretty strong. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you want to text in a question, guys, go for it. We're on 0457 736 736. Coming up after the break, we've got the great Cameron Shepherd. We'll see you then. Join the conversation. Call 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. You're listening to The Show and Go with Jimmy Galvin and Drew Mitchell on SEN. Welcome back to The Show and Go on SEN with myself, Jimmy Galvin and Mr. Drew Mitchell. Drew, we are breaking down the Wallabies loss last mm. night. It, uh, you know, 25-17, I think it looked a, a, a little bit closer uh, on paper than it was at the game, do you think? Um, no, I think the the Wallabies got their way back into it pretty well. And, you know, 22-17, after that, uh, that that moment I mentioned where Tom Wright made the break, put the kick in, put him into touch, was huge. That And then a couple of phases later, we get the penalty, we go to touch again, Flaufanga uh, misses it. That sort of lost all the momentum. We're five yeah. points behind, within reach, all the momentum behind, behind the Wallabies' sails and, and just – a number of lineouts that Flaufanga missed for not throwing straight was pretty crucial. Well, yeah, absolute brilliance from from Tom right there, and I'll tell you who else shows uh, a lot of brilliance from day to day, or throughout his career and day to day still. Yeah, we're now joined by Mr. Cameron Shepherd. Shep, Shep, down. Uh, how are we, mate? Jeez, day to day brilliance. That's that's the best introduction I've ever had. Definitely not true. But, uh, it's great to be here, boys. How are you? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Now, uh, what are your opening thoughts on the game last night? I know you were watching it up there at Nelson Bay. Yeah, look, I think it goes without saying that first half was really poor. Um, You know, after England being so passive at the breakdown in the first test, I I definitely was thinking that Eddie Jones was going to whip them into shape and their physicality was going to be a key thing that they brought to the game. And I think the Wallabies underestimated that. You know, we were dominated physically, especially in that opening 20 minutes. And, you know, Drew and you yourself, Jimmy, have all played in one of those games where you're standing under the sticks again after 20 minutes into the game, you look up at the scoreboard and you just can't understand how they got out to such a quick lead. And I think the Wallabies were were sort of forced into that position, um, got defensive after that. And and that first half was a little bit of a write-off, not to mention the amount of injuries that we mm. sustain in very quick succession. So, um, you know, a tough opening 40 minutes, but I think the way the boys rallied in the second half, we were by far the better team um, in that final 40 minutes. And, um, yeah, backing up what Drew said, I think a couple of key little moments, that the two moments that he mentioned with, um, you know, not taking advantage of being on the attack after that Tom Wright play, but then also that inside ball to Marika mm. Corabetti that sort of clipped off his shoulder yeah. You know, we score there, we get five points. I think we go on to win that game. So it's a little moment in rugby union, but, um, you know, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for the Wallabies. I think um, all in all, the better team and, and probably just didn't execute at the level they needed to, to to win on the night. And Shep, as a former fullback yourself, Jordi Pattaya started the game, got knocked out early. Tom Wright coming back and came, uh, sort of shifted into that fullback role. What did you make of his performance? And also just the back three in general with their, their decisions around probably running or kicking it at certain times, but also the backfield coverage? Yeah, yeah good question, Drew. Like, mate, I think the big thing that probably could have re- uh, released a bit of pressure on us in the game was a better kicking game. Mm. Um, you know, we don't really have anyone that can thump the ball 60, and it doesn't necessarily have to go out. You just need to find some space. But 
that can relieve so much pressure and get you forward sort of moving again instead of pinned down in our own half. So that was tough. I, I felt really sad for Jordan Pataya. It just feels like his run continues to get harder and harder. Every time he gets back to his best, he gets injured again. And I, I know better than anyone how hard that can be to constantly go up and down. But let's hope his head knock's not too bad. Tom Wright, I, I think, is a great player. I think he's one of the best finishers we, we've got in Australian rugby. And I thought he was one of our best last night. But the whole rhythm of our, our backs, and especially our back three, I didn't think was great. I thought James O'Connor was disappointing when he came on. I really was hoping for him to come on and, and take control of the game and be the leader and the finisher that we needed. And, um, you know, he had a lot of poor involvements, including that kick that went out on the full yeah. when normally, you know, he jinxed to the outside, he cuts through and creates something in that situation. But, um, yeah, look, uh, really, really difficult night for the Wallabies considering how many injuries that we had in the backs. And when you're shuffling around a back line that often during a game, it makes it pretty hard to get some consistency. Shep, uh, having a look at the English team, who were the standout players for you last night from uh, from the English side, would you say? Well, it certainly wasn't Marcus Smith. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, Send that bloke back to the premiership. He's been awful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, I Owen Farrell's hard to go past. I think, yeah. you know, the one smart thing, everyone, as much as I dislike him, one thing you've got to <laughs> hand to Eddie Jones is, the way that he strategically looks at a game. Now, you can't tell me that he didn't know that we had a Scottish referee last night who was going to be very strict at the breakdown, give away a lot of penalties. You know, Owen Farrell knew he was going to be taking five or six shots at goal last night. They were smart there. They cheated and and, and maybe pushed the boundaries when they could and they knew they would get away with it. And then other than that, they were very, very um, smart at the breakdown. So I thought that the English pack in general played a very, very smart game. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys heard Michael Hooper's comments in the um, in the press conference after the game, but he was speaking speaking pretty openly about you know the physicality and, and the Wallabies being bullied in that opening 40 minutes, yeah. and that was forcing them into making bad decisions and giving away penalties. So I think just in general, England's play was very smart. Um, I, I'm lacking um, the memory. Apologies of, of the boy that played halfback last night for England, but I a, thought a that the role that. Yeah, I, I thought that the role that he played along with, with Owen Farrell um, was really impressive to just keep them in the right uh, the right parts of the field. Um, and then great to see Guy Porter. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in a Wallaby jersey, but, um, you know, a young kid I used to commentate when he was a captain of Sydney University yeah. and, um, you know, getting an opportunity to play at the top level. Again, I, d- I didn't think he had a great game, uh, but, uh, you know, a great memory to, to go out on your debut and, um, and win, so... And yeah. Shep, you just mentioned the referees there. Pretty uh, big talking point coming out of that game. Not just uh, the Wallabies game, but also the New Zealand game as well, and and even the South African game. Is the some of the the, the adjudication of the, the rules uh, and the influence of the TMO last yeah. night? Joy Neville from Ireland seemed mm-hmm. to have her fingerprints all over the game. Um, what about Easy Parisi's yellow card? And then you look at Marcus Smith's yellow card and Johnny Hill just getting away with a knock on. What what are your thoughts around some of those decisions? You just want consistency, but I think the most frustrating thing about Parisi's was he was quite obviously going for the ball. Yeah. I think the common sense has got to come into it when was he trying to knock the ball down or was he actually taking a genuine attempt at the catch? Yeah. Um, I definitely don't think that was a yellow card. I also think Marcus Smith was probably uh, hard done by. Yeah, sure. If he had just committed and gone for that, he probably would have caught it and run most of the field. Um yeah, it's really frustrating. And again, coming back to Eddie, I think it's 
it's becoming part of the game now where coaches are changing their strategy in a game based around who the referee is. And, and that shouldn't be the case in any sport, especially not rugby union. So I think the referees need to uh, be given a little bit more leeway to maybe make the best decision that they think is in, in, in the, the heat of the moment instead of maybe worrying you know, is the head of referees going to call me after the game and have a go at me because I didn't follow this new protocol that needs to be in place in every single situation that that yeah. happens in? I just think they need to have a little bit more freedom to be able to call it on the run and as they see it. It almost feels like the TMO backs them into a corner so they can't actually bring in their own common sense or or, or just, um, you know, their own mm. interpretation of it because the way they go, well, they, they sort of read it law by law and then they go, okay, yes, yes, ticks all those boxes, but there's no common sense sense box like you mentioned. No, and, and the TMO really, in my opinion, should be their only if called upon. Yeah. You know, the referees on the field are the ones in the moment. Unless there's the foul play that wasn't picked up, yeah. Here. Correct, correct. Yeah. Foul play is probably the only time. But otherwise, I think the referees have got to be left to do their job. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that changes and, and evolves as we head towards another World Cup because I'm sure it's going to continue to be a talking point. Hey, Shep, both you and Drew played under Eddie Jones uh, in your time at the Wallabies. What should the Wallabies be expecting from Eddie and, uh, and the English coming into the into the decider this week? I love it when people ask me questions about Eddie Jones. <laughs> can you can, I mean, can, can you do an impersonation as as, uh, as good as Drew can? Uh, no, no. Shep, Shep remember that time? We'll, we'll, again. We're, we're getting. Uh, I we're, just can't believe that in a weekend of sport, uh, the person that I dislike the least is Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I'm with Eddie you. Jones. I'm with you. I'm not on him at all. But <laughs> what about Eddie Two Jones? People, we've got to get the. Uh, remember, we getting back. Yeah. What about uh, when? We're, wait, 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 Shep, Shep. Just tell us a story when yeah, we're getting yeah. prepped for uh, Australia right, to play the French Barbarians over in Paris, and we're, we're getting prepped. And you, there was this, this one line oh. that you're running at fullback, and you just couldn't get it. It was a forward pass, maybe four times oh. off. And he goes, Shep, just keep running back to Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was back to the hotel room, and it had about eight or nine expletives connected to it, but yeah, that was pretty close. That was about the time I was about to hang up the boots. The funniest thing was I, I had played a pretty good game after that. And after the game, Eddie came in the change and said, Shepo, you did pretty well out there. What was the difference between the game and training? <laughs> and I said, it was 80 minutes. I didn't have to listen to you yell at me, mate. And he just smiled and walked off. So. Oh, Shep, awesome. Well, mate, it's, uh, it's been fantastic having you on, on SEN on the show and go with us this morning, mate. And uh, look, we, we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, absolute pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me. Have Thanks, a great day. Thanks, Shep Dog. Thanks, Shepos. That's Cameron Shepherd, the uh, Wallaby and Western Force legend, uh, and one of your former teammates there, Drew. Yeah, it was always great fun playing with, with Shep, but also plenty of fun off the field with Shep on tours as well. Yeah, it still is. <laughs> it still is, yeah. Um, you're listening to uh, the show and go on SEM with Jimmy Gavin and Drew Mitchell. We'll be back right after the news. Join the conversation. Call 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. You're listening to The Show and Go with Jimmy Galvin and Drew Mitchell on SEN. Welcome back to The Show and Go on SEN. Drew, before we go around the grounds, we've got a text in. We've got a text from Willie. We've got a couple of texts from some gentleman named Willie. Did you say cheat, you friggin' sore loser? Same old wallabies need to harden up. Then he goes again. Way too much talk about referees and not on Wallaby's performance. Same excuses for 20 years. Willie, now, thanks for your text, and we love people engaging uh, with us on the show and go, but 
I'm not sure. Maybe you need to adjust your headset or whichever way you're listening to the show and go on OCN this morning because no one on the show so far has actually mentioned the word cheat except for you, mate. I think you're a flog and I'm happy to lose your listenership. Thanks, Willie, and uh, have, have a good one, mate. And that's a shout-out to Willie. <laughs> <laughs> We're going around the ground. Well, Willie, Willie was in lowercase as well. <laughs> Around the grounds now, it has been a monstrous, monstrous weekend in international rugby, kicking off with a huge upset. The first time Ireland have beaten New Zealand over in New Zealand, 23-12. to 12. The, uh, the All Blacks, it, it was a strange game. The All Blacks didn't really, it, it wasn't classic All Blacks. Yep. Uh, it was a, a red card for to Angus Tarvo, um yeah. with, with a head clash, another classic uh, in world rugby call that... Uh, uh, you know, it's a tough one because it's like a late switch. And it's look in those moments in real, at real, real speed, it's a tough one to adjust your body height. But I mean, I guess that one's at least been consistent in terms of contact and whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, and then there was the, the yellow card to Lester Fanger and Nuku as well when he came down on Mac Hansen after trying to uh, charge a kick down. Um, yeah, look, it wasn't as the, the same old sort of polished All Blacks that we see. Um, I mean, last week, though, was so, so impressive. It was always going to be tough to sort of maintain that level. Mm. Um, and likewise, like England have uh, in, in this series with Australia, there's always going to be a response from the team that uh, lost the first game. And we're going to get to it as well with Wales and South Africa. Yeah. So there's always going to be a response. And it, uh, it, it stopped New Zealand from playing the way and the speed in which they wanted to play, uh, play at. The breakdown, I thought, was better controlled by Ireland in, on this occasion rather than the game one. So, look, it was a... A strong, impressive performance. Same sort of start that they got uh, from the first game, and they weren't able to hold on to it in the first game. But this yep. time, started strong, maintained it, and went on to win. It was really impressive. It was a pretty different team. I mean, Ireland got some some points absolutely stacked on them uh, last week, and to come back with a win down in Dunedin, um, that they that's going to be a pretty cracking game next week in Wellington. Yeah, look, it certainly is. It's um, you know, like. Much like the no, all these games at the moment, it's going to a, th- a third game decider, and and it's a really hard one to really put your finger on who actually which team's the one that's in form. Um, a few changes will probably be, be made um, for for both sides, you, you, you'd imagine. But um, look, Ireland, Ireland have, have been impressive for a number of years. They're always the All Blacks sort of. Well, they seem to be in recent years at least the All Blacks sort of bogey team. So yeah, um, look, it's it's going to be a, a tantalising. Uh, Encounter next weekend. One of the one of the scary factors for Ireland is that they uh, they do like to peak one year out from a Rugby World Cup usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm happy for them to peak now and not so much uh, you know in sort of 14 months time. So, but yeah, look, there's a, another impressive display of rugby and um, yeah, and at five o'clock next uh, this this coming Saturday, it's going to be worth tuning into. And we also saw Wales upset South Africa uh, over in South Africa. I managed to watch a bit of that one. The South African team they're choosing, Drew, is is that their first string team? Well, there's 14 changes uh, made from last week's game. 14 changes. That's yeah. that's pretty incredible, right? So um, last last week's team looked more like the, the team that went and, and won the World Cup in 2019. Mm-hmm. A lot of players, you know, they stuck with a lot of players that have done the job with, uh, for him before. This time made plenty of changes. Still, you know, impressive to have that type of depth for South Africa, but... 
Uh, you know, Bloemfontein was shades of Curtly Beale's kick uh, all those years ago when yeah. we won for the first time in 47 years in the high veld. And Gareth Anscombe was the man to step up and, and kick it from the touchline. And, yeah. you know, with I think only sort of 60, 70 seconds left on the clock. So, um, yeah, look, it was, it was a huge moment for, for, uh, for, for Wales and, and a huge day and weekend for, for the Northern Hemisphere rugby, a clean sweep across the Southern Hemisphere teams. They've clawed back this week. We, mm. we, we might have got a little bit cheeky after uh, <laughs> after last week. I, I know I was uh, floating on cloud nine. Uh, who wasn't floating on cloud nine this morning? That's Michael Checker's Argentina. Mm. They've gone down uh, pretty considerably, actually, to Scotland, 29-6 over in Argentina. Yeah, um, played in Salta um, yeah. up there as well at altitude and... This one I, I probably didn't see coming, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, I, again, a good response from the Scots, and uh, yeah, and um, look, Czech will be will be filthy. Um, we know that. Uh, you know, he'll um, he'll. You wouldn't want to be one of the lost Pumas at training this week. That's what that's sort, for sure. What sort of spray after playing under Czech at the 2015 World Cup? What sort of spray do you reckon Czech would have given the team? Of course, I, I don't expect you to give it in in Spanish. Street, <laughs> no, look, it, it would have been. Uh, it, it would have been pretty emotional I would have thought um you know one thing that the the Argentinians pride themselves on is physicality set piece dominance and and they just didn't have that against the Scots and they're a proud nation you see that just right from the moment they sing the anthem and not that necessarily tears in the anthem equate to, to pride but um they are a proud bunch and uh um yeah check look this week there'll be a considerable amount of contact mm. uh, plenty of live scrums uh and they'll be looking to bounce back Hey, we've also seen France claw to number one in the world rugby rankings for the first time ever. First time ever, yeah. With a uh, 20 to 15 win over Japan. Um, not a bad showing from the Japanese either. Yeah, not, not too bad from the Japanese. But look, let's concentrate on the French because <clears throat> probably 12 months ago, 18 months ago, you would say they were the sort of sleeping giants around, you know, like the Smokies to be contenders for the World Cup of 2023, obviously the host nation. But in those... 12 to 18 months, they've really just put themselves in a really strong position, not to be outside or a dark horse. They're a genuine bona fide favourite going into next year now. And the, the thing that Fabien Galtier has also has done in those in the last 12 to 18 months is is create genuine depth. There, there would be at least 50 players that have from like the, in that French squad that have all played international footy. You know, whether it be Six Nations, whether it was the three-game series down here last year or if it's what they're going through now. And they're young. Yeah, they're young. They've, he's just got a lot of players that have played recently at this level and that are in form. And now it's just about him and his coaching staff to select the ones that are meshing the best. And, uh, to, you know, for, for the Rugby World Cup next year, it's quite frightening. Yeah, it's going to be a good one at the Rugby World Cup next year. What's going to be your best French dish of choice over there, do you think? I know you liked to melt camembert sometimes in the Yeah, I just right? I like to roast a bit of camembert and just get the yeah. baguette and just sort of dip it into that. That's yeah. nice with a, just a little side of Provence rosé. Um, you, you would only get your, your baguette daily, though, is that correct? Of course. Yeah. No, there's no preservatives in the food over in France. That's why that yeah. book is Why French People Don't Get Fat. That's because there's no preservatives in their food. Is that right? It's all very fresh and organic. But, yeah, you, you, when I was there, you, you buy a, a baguette in the morning and – by the afternoon, it's like a baseball bat. So it's got to be fresh. Uh, maybe I should be watching my preservatives then. I think you consume <laughs> far too many preservatives. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also saw Samoa get up 34-18 to 18 over Tonga in the Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, Samoa unbeaten in that tournament now as well. They obviously beat Australia A last week. Uh, we saw Australia A get up 32-18 to 18, uh, over Fiji, which we'll touch on in the next segment with uh, when we're joined by Shawnee Maloney. But uh, that Pacific Nations Cup... 
it's proving to, to show some really good footy. There's some great crowds in Fiji watching it as well. I, I just love the concept. Yeah, look, it's it's fantastic for, for um, everyone involved to be able to play at this level each week. Uh, a lot of their players from all those nations are also coming back from Europe and and, uh, and playing as well. Samoa came from behind against Tonga and, and put in a really strong performance. Ben Tamiafuna going off at halftime, or well, in the 42nd minute mark for Tonga. That was probably a real changing point in terms of the set-piece dominance, then turned to Samoa's favour, got some ascendancy through the forwards and then uh, were just too, too strong in the end. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, we'll be back right after the break with the great Shawnee Maloney to have a look at the Pacific Nations Cup and to touch on those Wallabies once again. Join the conversation. Call 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. You're listening to The Show and Go with Jimmy Galvin and Drew Mitchell on SEN. Welcome back to The Show and Go on SEN, Drew. It's... Uh it's a lovely weekend for rugby. It's uh, it's a bit drizzly outside. I've even got a beanie on in the studio. Yeah, it's weird. It's really throwing me. Has, is that right? Mm. Tell you what threw me. What? Your comments just before. I was just telling you how my, my beautiful uh, girlfriend, Emma, was... You, uh, you nearly said wife then. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Uh, she's, she's baked an orange and poppy seed uh, cake. And, uh, yeah, throwing that out to our listeners out there, isn't that a delicious style of cake? Drew's gone and, and said, no, it's not. Well, I just don't... It's not in my top ten. Sorry, Em. Yeah. All right, well, so, so um, you'll, M, you'll when be missing out. When you're coming over to my place next time, please don't bring an orange and poppy seed cake. <laughs> I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be delicious. Uh, next up, Drew, let's have a look at the Australia A game uh, over the week, and we saw some really strong performances there. Uh, Dylan Peach, a real standout yeah. for me. He had a strong season with the Tars, um, and he's really coming into his own as a, a, as a maturing 15s player after a, a really solid stint in sevens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's been a great sevens player for a long time and he's uh, transferring a lot of those skills that he had to, um, you know, hone in the, in that sort of form of the game and he's bringing it across. I think aside from his, his fantastic finishing, he's a strong ball carry, he's good in the one-on-one tackle, which obviously in the sevens, it's, uh, it's, it's even more amplified. And then at the breakdown, wide breakdown, he's, he's strong. And, and like you mentioned, uh, you know he's been really good through the West. Oh, sorry, the, the New South Wales Waratahs um, yeah. Super Rugby Pacific form, and then you know he's continued that into the Australia A program as well. And uh, yeah, he's he's someone I've been really impressed with. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, I did like about the Australia A game was it meant something to them that win yesterday. They were celebrating. They were passionate about it. Saw a couple of videos of uh, the lads in Fiji last night in, enjoying a few uh, local local brews and yeah. and uh, venues as well. But um. Do you think we're going to see this as a permanent fixture, not just leading into the World Cup? Do you think Australia are going to be in in, uh, in in the, I suppose, Australian landscape for rugby for good? Uh, mate, I, I think it should. It went away for a, a number of years. Um, back when I was, you know, playing, not, you know, I hate that term, but it was, the, Australia A was around in sort of the, um, you know, the early 2000s up to probably around 2010 maybe. Um, we haven't seen it for a number of years and then it's, it's back. I, I, I think it needs to be a permanent fixture. Yeah. Um, because what it also gives is, is you know, speaking uh, to Dave Rennie again through the week, a player like Fraser McWright, right, he, he knows that in the conversations he's had with Fraser McWright is if you come into the Wallaby squad now, you're not going to get a game, right? Yep. We've got Michael Hooper, he's the captain, he's the number one picked, so you're not going to get a game. And Pete Samu is on the bench because he can play six, seven, and eight. So there's not really any point other than hold, hold a hit shield for the, the starting team. So go and play... Australia A, and in the event, if in the event that Michael Hooper was to get injured, Fraser McWright comes straight in to start, yep. right? 
it's very hard for him to do that if he's not playing in a program like Australia A, playing against internationals. Yeah. So, like, for those reasons, it's a really um, valuable piece of, um, uh, like, an asset, right, for, yep. for us here in Australia. And I'm sure also for the other nations involved as well, for them to, to be playing at that level week in, week out. And because also look at the attrition rate here for, for the Wallabies. There's going to have to be a few players called up from that squad yeah, definitely. For, for this weekend's game. It's going to be interesting to see who is flown over from Fiji. Um, but I am also interested to see if they are going to give someone like a Will Skelton, get get them on a plane today and get them over here. Yeah, um, well, it just it comes down to whether they think anyone in that Australia A program in sort of the locking positions ready. Mm. Um, Hugh Sinclair's there. They've got Ryan he, Smith. He had a very good game yesterday. Yeah, Ryan Smith. You've got Angus Blythe as well. Um, whether you, you know, in a game where it's on the line, whether you, 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 you go with someone that's been untested at that level or you go with someone like an Arnold or a Skelton that they know has done a job before. Tell you what else, uh, why else this concept works really well is Ryan Lonigan at halfback has come into the captaincy position. Mm-hmm. And isn't that good to see a young player being blooded uh, at, at the captaincy for, you know, for, at that level. It's, it's a semi-international, really. It's counted as an international, isn't it? Uh, it's it counted. The, the caps, international caps are given to the other nations when they play one another because they're their fully-fledged uh, national teams, whereas yep. it's not for Australia, right? But it does mean that you're effectively committing to Australia by playing for Australia, right? So whether you play sevens, Australia, right, or the Wallabies, it means you're then committing to to that nation. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, okay. without being an international cap for the Australia A players, it's definitely uh, an international. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's good to see uh, some of our Aussie A players putting in a big stint uh, over there in Fiji. As I said, it will be interesting to see who comes into the fold. And out of that Australia A team, mm. who would you pinpoint as being included maybe in the wider squad for the World Cup next year? Well, I think the wider squad, you'd probably take someone like, you know, if you're going to take two sevens, you'd have to take Fraser McWright. Um, look, it, it's tough, right? Because it, 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 it's it's hard to know who's going to be fit and healthy, um, but there's going to be players that are able to take the step up. Moran Lonigan could be one of those guys. Yep, yep. Uh, if, if there was an, a halfback was to go down, it's it's more about just players being ready, right? It's about players that can, can take the step from – playing in that Australia A program to the Wallabies if, if called upon. And, um, you know, and a lot of these players playing at that level, uh, getting that exposure and also getting the feel of being in a squad environment as well, going on tour and that type of thing as well is is really important. And, and, and playing the style of play, I'm sure whilst they're getting coached by someone different, they'd be still be trying to play the same style of play in which Dave Rennie wants to play so that if they do have to get called up, they're not having to try and fit into a completely different style of footy. So all these, for all these reasons, it's a really, uh, really strong um, asset for Australian rugby. And and you've played a, a couple of Australia A games, mm-hmm. as I heard you mentioning to Shep before. Yeah. Uh, what was the highlight of playing for Australia A for you? Mate, I, I, I think it was just um, – actually, I think I scored a hat-trick against Fiji down in Melbourne. Did you now? I was off the bench. I, I came on for someone who I think went off for a blood bin or uh, I came on and scored a couple and then went back off and then – Got another chance later in the game, so that was nice. It was freezing cold. wasn't too uh, – not. I don't play well in the cold, Jimmy. Is, is that right? Is that why you w- wore the, the long-sleeve jersey? No, I didn't I didn't wear long-sleeve. No, no, no. Huh? I, I wore a long-sleeve undershirt once for the Wallabies um, against Ireland at Lans, Lansdowne Road, the old Lansdowne Road in 2005. And Eddie Jones, at half times, Eddie just said, Drew, what are you doing, mate? You're, you're not even in the game, mate. Like – 
when are you going to turn up? Is it because it's because you got a long sleeve shirt on? No one's ever played well in a long sleeve shirt. So I took that shirt off, went out in the second half, scored two tries, and then after the game, he's like, "See, mate, it's the long sleeve shirt." So I never wore a long sleeve shirt again because of that. He, Eddie's got a he's got a, a real skill about just sort of staining your memory with some of the some of the sprays he gives you. But have, have you spoken to him since he's been out here? No, I haven't had the chance to yet. I was uh, I was working last night and wasn't able to to catch up with him. But hopefully in Sydney. Well, if he's wearing a long sleeve shirt, make sure you pull him up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the show would go on SEM. We'll be back after the break. Join the conversation. Call 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. You're listening to The Show and Go with Jimmy Galvin and Drew Mitchell on SEN. Welcome back to the show and go on SEN. Another fun morning, Drew. Another yeah, fun it's, morning. It's been another, yeah, it's always fun with you on a Sunday morning, Jim. But we've just had another uh, text from an M from Manly. F you, Drew. I wanted to do a cheesecake, but Jimmy hates cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I know, M, I know. But it, look, I actually quite enjoy cheesecake. I love cheesecake. So if you want to, next time you come over, uh, please bring a cheesecake. That's true. I'm not But a leave fan that orange and poppy seed at home. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you for texting in. And we've also got another text in here from Kyle. Long sleeves are for pansies. Drew, okay. there you go. Right. Well, I think Eddie had a point when he uh, when he pulled you up on that one. Well, I mean, my performance in the second half would prove him to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for texting in, Kyle. So, Drew, uh, look, a couple of big things coming up this week. A huge week of internationals coming yep. up. Deciders across the board, it looks like. Yeah. So, going to be a huge one. If you're in Sydney to get down to the Wallabies game at the SCG, that will be an absolute huge. cracker. Huge. I'll be I'll be down there. I'd say. You'll, yeah, of course you'll be there. I'll probably cry again. You'll probably run your race a bit early. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> We've also got this week uh, the Aqua Rugby launch. That's right coming on Thursday. Up. That's right. That's exciting. The new dates for Aqua Rugby. I can't new, say it here on some air new yet. dates and also some new faces. Yes, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty exciting one. You, well, I'm looking forward to unveiling uh, who we've got playing in the tournament this year. Some pretty heavy hitters. Yes, heavy hitters. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a hint. And uh, and Drew, you've got a you've got a debt to repay. Yeah, I do. I do. I had a bet with Joe Marler, an England international prop that's back home in England. Uh, we had a bet on Twitter through the week. Uh, I do owe him a walk uh, in an England jersey and budgie smugglers and sing the anthem. Oh. I was. I tried to do it at Caxton Street last night after the game, which I, I proposed that I would do. I was unable to just logistically. Um, but I'll make up for it. And in his, in our bet, he sort of said nothing half-hearted. So hopefully with what I've got planned in the next couple of days, um, Joe Marler feels as though my debt is paid. I've had quite a few people from, uh, from England texting about, did it happen? Did it happen? So I'm, yeah. I'm interested. To say, yeah, I just what, just what, got what, them on the line. What have you got in mind? Never you mind. You just have to wait, <laughs> just like the rest of the people. <laughs> well, that is the show we'd go for today on SEN. Drew, thanks for your company. Mate, thank you. And uh, we'll see you the same time next week.